There we go. Okay, good. I always get a little nervous until I hear myself. <laughs> so, hello. Welcome to uh, Critical Q&A number 423 today on Sunday, August 27th in the year of our Lord, 2023. Hey, everybody. Glad you could join me for this uh, Sunday morning. Uh, hey, everybody. I see all my uh, favorite critics in the chat here. Good morning, everybody. And thank you again for joining me. All right, so let's um, go ahead and get into this. I brought an agenda today. I have things to go over. I've been, um, oh, good, yes. Um, oh, my God, that is a great question. Okay, we are going to get to those in a moment. I'm going um, <laughs> to give you guys a couple announcements first, a couple things I wanted to tell you about real fast. Somebody emailed me, and I, it's, I didn't go like fact check you know, this to the nth degree, but there is a link here uh, to FEMA.gov, and I thought this might be of interest, and somebody, you know, like I said, thought, that, thought this was of interest uh, to me, and it is. So here, I'm just going to read this email to you. Um, I've seen an announcement that on October 4th, October 4th, at around 2.20 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, FEMA will perform a test emergency broadcast on all cell phones in the USA. Okay, October 4th at 2.20 p.m. Now, October 11th is a backup date in case the broadcast fails somehow. Now, why am I talking about this? Well, as was pointed out to me, under the radar, Scientologists who wish to hide their secret phones will want to set a reminder to keep their phones off on these dates. That's, again, October 4th and October 11th. Please spread this information to the people who need it, whether now or closer to the dates above. People who help others recover from other cults may also benefit from this info. So please share this information about this cell phone thing. Um, and if I'm wrong or this is bad data, go ahead and let me know. But as far as I know, this connects to FEMA.gov slash press release. Um, yeah, from uh, August 3rd. So FEMA and FCC plan nationwide emergency alert test October 4th, 2023. So looks pretty looks pretty legit to me. So um, just something to put out there. Yeah, FEMA camps. No, we're not talking about FEMA camps. <laughs> uh, no, this is FEMA actually doing their job. So, <laughs> so we'll see. Uh, but if you do have secret phones and you don't want you know them going off and uh, people finding out about them, then heads up on October 4th and October 11th. Um, the other thing I need to do, because I don't do this enough. Y'all see this? This is a book that I wrote. Uh, it's, it's a nice, big, thick book. It's not a pamphlet. There's lots of chunky information in here. There are uh, 300 and some odd, yeah, 338 jam-packed pages of information in here about Scientology. If you want a breakdown on Scientology, this is it. And this book isn't my memoir. Okay, a lot of the, and I say this, I go out of my way to say this because so many books out there are. They're people's stories. And fine, great, wonderful. Let's get people's stories out there. But where's the breakdown on Scientology? Who's L. Ron Hubbard? What's Dianetics really? How did they get tax exemption? And why the hell do Scientologists believe that they are saving the universe? Not just the planet, but the entire universe. It's all in here. 
I don't know anywhere else where all the OT levels are broken down bit by bit, point by point. It's in here. So, wrote this book, Scientology A to Zenu. I wrote it for you guys. I hope you will uh, check it out. It is still up on Amazon as an audiobook, as a publication you can purchase print on demand, or as an ebook uh, for any format. So, you can download it on. Uh, Audible, and uh, or on Audible, but also on uh, for Kindles. Okay, so I don't. I'm I am told constantly that I do not promote this enough, and in fact, it's absolutely true. I have been over the last ten years the worst salesperson ever for my own work and my own channel, and I'm really getting getting the the point of that right now because it's been ten years out, and I have helped so many people do so get over so many problems and issues of coercive control and cultic uh, problems in their life over the years that I know the work that I've put out here is very, very useful, but it's not getting in front of enough people's eyes. And this isn't about view counts and subscribers. It's about helping people. That's what this mission of mine has always been about. I'd also like to make a better living at doing it, but that's not really the point. The point is the more eyes I can get my content, the over 1,000 videos that I have produced on recovery, on cultic mechanisms and anatomy, on how to get out of them, on how people get into them and how to avoid that, all of that is very valuable information. And people need this, especially now. I mean, look at the state of our country and the culty nonsense that goes on. So I need to get my content in front of more eyes. So you might see um, some adjustments on my channel over the coming months as I figure this out, because it's not an area that I am well tuned to anymore. I am way out of date on marketing and salesmanship and all of that. But I got to do something about that. So you'll be seeing some uh, activity on that. And that will include me probably promoting a little bit more my work. Uh, and on that note, actually, uh, let's flip over to uh, the chat screen there. Sorry, I was on my main screen. On that note, I've also got merch. And, uh, and I got a lot of it. I put together a lot of designs. Um, I'll probably be throwing some new ones up, but these are some of the existing ones. Five of, I don't know, I think I've got about 25 different designs up on my Spreadshirt site. And the link to this site is in the description section to this video and every video I've ever published. And you can get shirts, hats, mugs, towels, beach towels, uh, wall hangings. I mean, there are all kinds of things you can get these symbols and I and uh, cartoons and stuff thrown up on and share my podcast, uh, Scientology stuff, critical thinking stuff. All of it is represented there. And uh, like I said, I'll be adding some more uh, in the not too distant future. So check out the link in the description section to this video on that merch, okay? Because that's another way to contribute to the channel and also get something for yourself and share common sense, logical, facts matter, you know, kind of stuff. We really need more of that out there. <laughs> I mean, man, do we ever. So um, so supporting the show and, uh, and doing that, I thought might be um, good stuff too. All right, so we have all that. And then finally, 
um, because you guys are so great at this in the comments. I usually don't go out of my way to talk about this or mention this, but do like, do share, do get my videos around. I really am appealing to you right now. I need your help. I really want uh, word of mouth on my channel from my fans, my critics, my best supporters. I really want you guys to help me share this work out and about because there is no, no better way of spreading information around than good word of mouth. And if you guys like what I'm doing, and I think you do, let other people know about my work, okay? That would really help me a lot. And uh, feel free to tag me or not. I, you know, it's, it doesn't matter in terms of what social media you're using. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and um, Twitch. And no, not Twitch, um, although I, I am on Twitch. But what is that? Threads, that's what I was thinking of, that new Facebook, Twitter clone. So I'm on there. Um, so you can find me under Chris Shelton MSC on almost any of those social media platforms. If I'm on a social media platform, you'll find me under Chris Shelton MSC. Let's put it that way. Okay. And feel free to follow me on uh, social media as well. All right. So now that I've gotten, uh, oh, I will definitely put some Snuggles Not Struggles merch together. Great suggestion, Angel Hugger. Absolutely good idea. Uh, yeah. In fact, maybe I'll use some of that um, AI-generated artwork from of Benson. I, I went on Night Cafe this last, uh, well, about a week and a half ago, and started playing around with, with uh, AI-generated imagery to see if it might be something I could utilize to, um, for some of my video work, to, to create custom images for some of the stuff I do, because getting pictures or finding imagery is sometimes really hard. And, um, and I started experimenting with uh, pictures of our little love bug, Benson, uh, our, our Benson the Magnificent, I should say, hashtag Benson the Magnificent. He's our little wonder dog. And uh, so I created some pictures of him uh, out of scratch. And so maybe I'll get some actual photos of him and do some AI treatment on that uh, imagery-wise and put up some snuggles, not struggles uh, merch on that. That's a, that's, that sounds like fun. Okay, guys, let's see what we got in the comments here. Now, I am also, I've gotten a suggestion to perhaps get some moderation assistance on my Q&A shows when I'm going live here so that I'm not going back and forth between the comments and you guys. And, you know, you, there's only so far and so much I can do as a one-man band. And so I did talk to Mel about that. We are going to work that out. There's some things we have to do to work out her doing that on a regular basis when I'm doing my lives. But I hope we can do that so that it can be a little smoother of an operation as I'm looking up your questions and stuff. Um, no promises yet on, on any of that, but I just wanted to let you guys know that that is out there. I want, I do the best I know how to do to present this stuff to you guys um, and try to have as smooth an operation as I can. But it is a one-man show, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm limited sometimes in that. All right, so let's get to let you, the questions you guys have been throwing in the chats here. First off, I want to thank Alex C for that. Super chat, um, very appreciated. And let's see here, weather's fine. Um, okay, here we go. Alex C, yes, just learning how to use the super chat. So here's his question. Uh, what would you think of requiring Congress people to appear on C-SPAN once a month to answer unfiltered questions from citizens? I think that would be 
awesome. In fact, I think it's dereliction of duty that they're not already doing that. Our Congress people are so out of touch with us. I mean, really, so out of touch. They live in a D.C. bubble world. And anybody who lives in D.C. who's in those circles will tell you this. They've told me this. And this is why I'm passing it on to you. And obviously, we see senators and Congress people in the House and the Senate um, who just have no idea what life is like for the regular people, nor do they seem to care. Uh, now, this is not everybody, and I don't want to talk in too broad of generalities here because I know there are some very diligent, sincere Congress people uh, working for us. I really do know that, and I've seen and contacted or been in touch with my local representatives at the state and national level, and it's really quite something. It really kind of makes you feel a little bit more involved just finding out their names and what they're doing and getting on their newsletters and stuff. So I do recommend doing that because not all Congress people or House members are out to lunch. Some of them are really, really interested in uh, engagement, and some of them engage locally with their peeps in town halls or forums. Uh, We've had Hickenlooper do one recently here in Colorado, and our local rep has also, um, uh, she was with him, actually, and then there was another one she did, um, uh, Yadira, I think her name is. And so... um, so, so it, uh, it, does, it is a good idea for us as citizens to engage in citizenry. And this is something I'm really just getting my own as an ex-cult member. This is something I've never, ever thought about or been involved with uh, unless there was some agenda or some particular item I was particularly interested in. But it's been becoming clearer to me lately as I've been kind of putting my feelers out that there's all kinds of info out there about... Um, what our elected representatives are doing. And they're not idle. There are things that they're doing that are quite good. But it would be really, really nice if we could have more direct communication with them and hear from them directly and have unfiltered access. And so um, C-SPAN or CNN or some other you know, media outlet, although I wouldn't really want to put it in the hands of a CNN or a, an MSNBC or Fox because of all the partisanship. So C-SPAN is probably a really great idea as a place to put them. Because as far as I know, C-SPAN's not been accused of any political partisanship yet. But um, it's a great idea. In fact, my wife and I have discussed quite seriously the, the, the fact that we really think Congress people should be, should be forced to live in for, for like a six-month period, not, not just for a week or two, like for a good long chunk of time. We think that these elected representatives should be made to live in, not only in the districts they represent, but in the worst off areas of the districts they represent, not as a punishment, but as a eyeballs on the ground, looking around and seeing what's really going on in their area and really recognizing the problems that the worst of their, of their uh, electorate deal with so that when they go and deal with you know, or propose legislation, they're coming at it from a point of reality. They have to live amongst these people and see them daily. That would be something that the that would remove or maybe help uh, fight back a pushback against that DC bubble. Unfortunately, uh, there are too many. I'm not going to say you know what percentage, but there are too many Congress people who are in a very cushy job 
and think about it and treat it that way and really just use it as a sponge for personal aggrandizement or enrichment. And that's a real shame. Um, you know, I can think of other words to use to describe that too, but that's the deal with that. So those are, I don't know, those are some of my thoughts on it. Alex, it's a great question. And I really think that that should be something that is implemented. We should be hearing a lot more from our elected representatives during the times that they're not seeking reelection. <laughs> you know, if we heard about if we heard from them as often as we hear about them during election season, right? Then maybe we might think they're actually on the job doing something important. But we don't, right? And that's that's part of the problem. Uh, Liz, I heard about a shooting in Pittsburgh. I did not. I did not delve into the details of it to realize there was some Moorish sovereign citizen. That sounds interesting. I'll have to look into that because that might be a um, a story for this week's uh, cult network news. Uh, so thank you for the heads up on that. I'm going to write it down right now because John. P and I, John P. Capitalist and I have done a whole podcast, and he brought up, I think, this group specifically of uh, the Moors. That sounds really familiar to me from that podcast. So I'll check into that and report on that in a lot more detail. But thanks for bringing that to my attention. Okay, let's carry on here. Um, Yes, good. Yes, read those books. Peace of Blue Sky. I, look, as far as I'm concerned, I'm just going to tell it to you straight from my opinion. And of course, I'm biased. But I'm going to tell it to you. Like, I've read a lot of the Scientology books out there. I haven't read all of them, but I've read a lot of them. And as far as I'm concerned, this guy and A Piece of Blue Sky are the most informative when it comes to understanding Scientology for real. People's experiences are wonderful, and we definitely want those, and testimonials are very, very needed. But if you want the overview, a piece of blue sky, and this thing, I, I, I don't think there's a better combination. Okay, let's carry on here. Um, oh, by, oh, my goodness, I should put this out more often. You can buy a signed copy of this book anytime you want. Just email me, and we will make the arrangements. I don't normally do f- order fulfillment from my home because I use Amazon for that. That's why I self-published there. But I got copies of these here uh, exactly for that purpose. So if you want a signed copy, uh, it will cost you a little more, and I will send it to you direct. Um, but you know, all you got to do is email me at uh, askchrisshelton at gmail.com. Email in the description section below, I believe. Oh, my goodness. An excerpt from my book? Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll go through and pull some highlights and, and read a few to you guys. That's a great idea. There was a, a atypical Paul there. Good, good, good. Yes, marketing, baby, marketing. Absolutely. Um, Vernon asked, was there a graduation ceremony in the UK after you got your master's? There was, but I wasn't at it. Uh, I actually missed that, um, the deadline for that, because the graduation was in December, and then I got in a little bit of an extension because I needed a little bit more time to push my research paper through to a done, and so I did not attend the graduation, and, um, you know, uh, at least that's what I understand it to be. I guess that would flip me over to the next year, but I would have had to fly, the, fly to the UK, and that wasn't really in the cards. Oh, but this reminds me. Oh, my goodness. Another thing I wanted to uh, tell you guys about uh, or ask you for, really. Um, 
there are a couple projects that I want to do or a couple upgrades I want to do here in studio. And um, I'm not, I haven't put a whole campaign together on this or even any kind of formal announcements. It's just kind of off the top of my head right now. But um, there are a couple things I would like to get your help, if I could, to purchase um, teleprompter, um, some upgrades on the computer, um, and some ad money, perhaps. We'll see about that. I got to do a little bit more research on that. But I have a uh, teleprompter that I want to get, which will help me greatly with the uh, news program and maybe some other uh, live streams when I've got prepared scripts that I want to be doing. And, um, and it costs a little bit. It's uh, 100 bucks. So I wanted to throw that out there. So if you want to directly contribute to or help me with that, uh, you can Super Chat or you can um, PayPal or Venmo or... Uh, well, those would be the two ways that I have set up right now. Again, links below in the description section, all of this. And, um, but that would really help a lot because I'd like to upgrade what I'm doing. And like I said, it's one of, mostly a one-man operation. So every little electronic bit of assistance I can get in improving the situation here, I would like to do. So if you want to help me with that, um, that would be Awesome, and I'll, uh, I'm not I'm not gonna like set up you know GoFundMe's or something, but I just thought I'd sort of informally throw this out there for you guys that I'm trying to boost things, and I could use your assistance with that. So, just wanted to throw that out there. Okay, let's keep going. <laughs> I should do this, shouldn't I, Liz? <laughs> Platinum Invictus. Okay. Yes, it is. All right, guys. Uh, let's keep going. These guys are awesome. Yes, Scientology repelling shirts. That is right. Um, okay. Oh, let's keep... Okay, sorry. This The only frustrating thing about the um, chat is that it resets itself, and I have to go back and scroll back up. So I'm sorry for the distraction on that. Um, okay, so we have question from Vernon. If you would have met Melissa while in Scientology, would you have dated her or convinced her to try out Scientology? This opens up a little bit of a can of worms. So let me let me answer this. And I and you guys let me know by the way. Do you want long answers? I get I get very different feedback on whether y'all want like nice long chunky answers or you want me to just go bang 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 and flash through them. I'm, I'm not, you know, sometimes I, it's very confusing sometimes to being a creator with, the, with the, the multitude of feedback that I get that sometimes is directly contradictory. It's really funny. So um, I'm going to give this answer a little bit of a chunky one, though, because this reminds me of my days back in Santa Barbara when I was a staff member there. A lot of what you hear me talk about has to do with my Sea Org years, but Santa Barbara was eight years of my life. From um, twenty, from sorry, uh, nineteen eighty-seven joining staff to uh, nineteen ninety-five when I joined the Sea Org, and during those years, I was a young strapping lad in Santa Barbara with no one to date or go out with or hook up with or anything. It was awful. Santa Barbara was kind of this older field of people who had been college kids in the 70s who'd gotten hooked into Scientology for the most part. And they were friends and they were this and that. It was a very small field of about 100 people. 
that's about the size of Santa Barbara's uh, active Scientology field. And by active, I don't even mean coming into the church every week. I mean, when you really had the big Christmas party, that was where everybody showed up. And that was about 100 people, 150 maybe at the most, uh, including all the staff and kids. So we're not talking about a wide field to play as a young man, and there were not very many young women in that field uh, in the Scientology Active group. So, um, so I really, really struggled during those years in the relationship category. You know, it was it sucked, and um, and unfortunately, what ended up happening is there was one woman who came on uh, who got recruited as a college. Um, student uh, from UCSB and she started working at the church and her being this tall, blonde, beautiful woman, I was like, ah, and I, you know, and it was not good. I, you know, it was, it was my first time at a relationship and it, and it was a little like, you know, I was not a, I was not mature. Let's put it that way. And I did not, you know, um, really act uh, very nice. And, um, and it was just kind of one of those relationships where you really shouldn't have gotten together in the first place, but out of desperation, I just kept pursuing it, you know? So I had a lot to learn, a lot to learn. And Scientology had given me a lot of bad data about how to have relationships and how to interact with people and how to be tone 40 and get your intention across and sort of manipulate or force people into things. And, and it just, it wasn't good. And it was having really, you know, it was just not a good situation. So um, we became friends, you know, we, we split up and then years later she joined the Sea Org and then I joined the Sea Org years after her and we met again and then we were a lot friendlier and a lot, uh, in a lot better relationship. So it ended fine, but um, ended up being fine, but the relationship itself was rocky as hell because I had no idea what I was doing and my emotions were all over the place and I couldn't understand or control them the way Scientology kept telling me I could. And that was the weird part, is this, these emotional roller coasters of love and, and the difference between love and obsession and that kind of stuff. It was, it was not a good time for me. It really wasn't. I'm being really frank with you guys right now. But, um, but that time passed, and uh, I learned, I lived, I learned, I moved on, and, and so did she. And um, had I met somebody like Melissa during that time, Melissa and I have laughed because she used to be so different and I used to be so different that when we met, you know, it, it was when we were in our 20s, we were very different people. But, um, but besides the age difference, by the way, because, you know, she would have actually been a teenager back then. But let's say it was Melissa now, right? Um, then, yeah, I would have been very attracted to her and I would have uh, absolutely pursued that relationship. So I, I, guess I'll, I guess I'll put it that way, you know, that, yeah, I w definitely would have uh, uh, dated her back in the day. So um, anyway, that, I just, I, that's something I've never really gotten a chance to talk about is that whole dating scene in Santa Barbara as a staff member. Just, God, it was awful. And all these college students going up and down the street every night because the, the church of, Santa, of Scientology in Santa Barbara was on State Street, which is the main drag, the main street of that town. And so on Friday nights, Saturday nights, there'd be tons of college students just walking and going from bar to bar up and down the street. And I was never part of that because I didn't drink a lot and I didn't drink hardly at all. And I just could not fit in at all. I was so awkward. Oh, it's just, it's, it's almost embarrassing thinking about, but it was, uh, 
It was just, it was not a great time for, <laughs> for me back then. Things are a lot better uh, now relationship-wise. Okay. Um, uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Abraham Stuff asks, I have a question. Is screaming and yelling something all Seaworg members are required to do, like a written tactic or something? Just curious if it's policy or if it's DM is just a jerk. No, it's written policy. Uh, I, and I've, I've, I've talked about how... Uh, we even got briefings from the uh, RTC staff members on PAC base. This is, and if I'm talking, you know, Greek to you right now, when I was in the Sea Org, very senior command personnel would brief the entire base on not only the okayness or acceptability of physical violence, but the necessity for it from time to time. If somebody's getting in your way and preventing you from doing your job in Scientology, and especially in the Sea Org, you are 100% within your rights to get physical and push them out of your way or beat them or whatever. And this is just policy in the, in the church. It's a, there's flag orders that, that are Sea Org policies. These are called flag orders. They're written issues by L. Ron Hubbard. And in those, he very, very clearly infers and uh, states that this kind of activity is completely okay. It is not thought or acceptable within the Sea Org culture to be doing that all the time. If you're an asshole, people are going to start thinking you're an asshole, and they're going to avoid you, and, and you're going to get in trouble for being an asshole. Uh, I mean, they're only going to take so much of that kind of stuff um, at the lower levels I'm talking about. I'm sure as hell I'm not talking about David Miscavige. So, you know, so, but at the same time, if the asshole is in the command position, then it doesn't matter. You're not going to write them up. You're not going to go after them. Because they're the senior personnel, and you don't have those rights in the Sea Org. As, as much as you might be told you do, you do not. So if you start trying to push back against a violent or really antagonistic senior person who's just kind of got it in them to be that way, it sucks. You got to transfer the hell out of there as quickly as you can figure out how or somehow get out of that situation because... There isn't any way you're going to write reports or anything like that. And when it's a senior person, you are not as easily, it's not as easy to justify physical violence against a senior because the senior is trying to stop you in your duties. That's, you know, you better have some rock solid evidence or you're going to be in even more trouble, right? If you, because it, it's that's going to be interpreted 99.9% .9 of the time. If you hit your senior, you start, uh, you know, engaging in physical violence against senior personnel. That is obviously going to be interpreted as you're the problem, not them. So, you know, so and you can see in my answer, it's kind of all over the place because in the Sea Org, it's all over the place. It's like sometimes it's okay and sometimes it's not. This person, it's okay. This person, it's not. And that's the eggshells you're always walking on, which makes. You know, which, I, as I think I've mentioned before, makes answering questions about this so interesting because it's a yes and a no at the same time, you know. It's sometimes yes, sometimes whatever. You guys get the idea. So, anyway, I hope that was an adequate answer for you there, um, Abraham. All right. Well, okay. Um, I mean, your typical day, young matador, for a Sea Org member is, as a question here, right, is... I mean, you're going to get up in the morning. Um, your typical day is you're getting up pretty early, you know, 6.37, something like that. 
and go get some breakfast, get up, go take a shower. There's communal showers. This was in pack base. I cannot speak to a typical day in the UK, Australia, or at Flag or something like that, although I imagine that their days were probably pretty similar to the days we had in PAC. So in Los Angeles. So you, you get up early, you, um, you know, you go shower in the communal showers, um, you go get some breakfast. It's usually kind of runny eggs and crappy food, right? Unless it was Sunday when we had pancake breakfast. Um, you know, you go to a morning muster somewhere between eight and nine o'clock and, um, and meaning that different organizations have different start times. Uh, it might be 8.15, might be 8.30, might be 8.45. They would tend to sometimes um, stagger the schedule a little bit for food eating purposes or for space saving purposes. So um, so we in the CLO, if I remember right, about I, I think it was 8.45 or so, we would muster up. And then I think at um, 9 o'clock is when study muster was. And we would go study in the mornings. And it would be like 9 or 9.30 to noon, I think it was. Two and a half hours, right? Um, and then there'd be lunch. Lunch is a uh, half hour. And then you, you, know, you go eat uh, in the main mess. Or you buy some food in the canteen. And um, then you were on post. There's another muster after lunch, so 12.30 muster, a whole crew. And then that's kind of really the start of day kind of muster, at least on most Monday through Thursday. Um, Thursday was usually a pretty shortened musters, and, um, and not everybody was there because it's Thursday morning and everybody's just kind of working. So the schedule on Thursday is anything goes. But, but most days it was this kind of timing where you'd then kind of uh, have your org-wide muster then you go to post and you do your job. And that would involve for me meetings and sitting and writing telexes or uh, doing projects or doing stat analysis or, you know, whatever it was I was needing to do as a manager. Um, when I worked at Bridge Publications, it was a bit of a different thing where uh, production was going and making books, right? Literally uh, making parts of books. Or um, when I worked at... Um, you know, as a missionaire, it's a totally roll your own schedule kind of day because you got so many different targets to do. It, you, your days are completely random. But on the base, um, you go to post after lunch and then you're there through until dinner, which I think was 5.45 or 6 o'clock, you know, something like that. And then we would have a half hour for dinner, muster up again, right, count for everybody. And then, um, and then it's back to post for the rest of the night, right? And then about 10.30 or 11, uh, I think 10.30-ish was like on a regular schedule. I think it was around 10.30, 10.45 was cleaning stations, 11 o'clock. You know, you're supposed to secure, right? Supposed to, and, and often there would be intermittent efforts to try to put in exercise time. So at the end of the night, you see a bunch of Sea Org members running around the block or doing calisthenics or something, right? Uh, so we would sometimes do, but sometimes that would be shifted to the mornings as well. So exercise time was always going in and out. And, um, and then, yeah, and if, you, and if secure time came around and you had, you know, shit you hadn't finished or you needed to get done, you just stayed on post. You didn't go. And sometimes there were brief periods where the MAAs, where the uh, ethics guys would come through and just kick you out. It's 11 o'clock. Secure, let's go, out. 
And those were few and far between because they would always get knocked out when the next emergency came around. So every time, it was a real pull the rug out from under you kind of thing. It was a real, you know, Lucy with the football and Charlie Brown kind of situation where every time, and this happened so many times, there would try to put in exercise time, try to put in study time as a routine thing. And as soon as the next emergency came along, which would be days or maybe a week later, the whole, that whole thing got thrown out and you were up until 2, 3, 4 in the morning again as usual. So that's kind of how Sea Org schedule rolled for me in my life. Um, yeah, there you go. See how, see how you like that. Okay, good. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. An ideal studio. Thank you, Liz. That's a great idea. I would love that. Yes, I would. Um, okay, was Leah's husband a Scientologist when she was in? Um, I believe she got him involved in Scientology some, to some degree, um, but I don't remember the, how far along he got or how involved he got. Clearly not much. But, um, yeah, I think, she was, I think he was involved with Scientology. I'd be very, very surprised if... Uh, I think his name is Antonio, right? I, anyway, I don't, I, I, I'm pretty sure he, he was. Um, okay, let's see what else we got here. Oh, here's a great question, Christopher. I will ask Tony about this. Uh, we're going to record our After Scientology straight up in vertical later today. Let me make a um, note of that. Tony, howdy, Con. I know he has made some reference to it, but the pandemic, of course, threw everything into a lurch. So I don't know if there's another one planned. I guess at this point it would be for next year because they were usually we were doing them in the summer. Um, but I will ask him about that, see what, uh, see what we come up with. I, I, right now, I don't know. Okay, so here's a great question. How do you feel about users of X, formerly known as Twitter, no longer be able to block other accounts? This is uh, Uncle here. Um, it's a horrible idea. Um, one of the ways that we get bad elements or unhealthy elements out of our life is to block them, right? In real life, you disconnect. And this is a right I would never, ever, 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 ever take away from anybody. You have a right to the people to decide who is in your life and who is not, to what relationships you need to have and which relationships you don't need to have, especially on social media. Social media is not supposed to be anti-social media. And when you have trolls or harassers or stalkers, all of which appear on social media, routinely, then you should have the ability to block those elements from your feeds or from your life. You don't, in other words, you should not have to receive communications you don't want to receive. That's a right everybody should have. Now, whether they use that right responsibly or not is up to them. And we certainly see abuses and we see people who are, you know, block happy and this kind of thing. And sometimes we kind of shake our head and go, okay, well, that's a little silly, but I guess that person is very sensitive on that or whatever it is we walk away thinking. But they always should have the right to do that. And that's, that's something that we as individuals um, hold dear. So when Elon Musk and his grand stupidity, and Elon Musk is an incredibly stupid person, and if he is not, he certainly makes very stupid decisions. 
when he decides things like, let's remove the block feature, then you present a platform that very quickly is going to devolve into nothing but trolling and harassing. Because you're giving the bad guys the freedom to do what they want to do unhindered. And you cannot stop them. It would be like Scientology not only coming to your door every day, but it actually be them forcing their way into your house, and you couldn't do anything about it. it what? What's this now? And they're walking around all the time telling you all about how you need to get in session and you know how you just suffer from ARC breaks, and that's your problem, and that's why you don't want to listen to them, and blah, 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 right? That's, that would be insane in the real world to not have the right to be able to put people at arm's length and say, no, I, I, I don't want that communication. Thank you very much, I, and move on. Um, but this is something that, again, in his you know, grand wisdom, uh, Musk has decided is not necessary. And this is the reason why I believe we are seeing uh, over the last many months, really ever since the guy took over Twitter, I've been watching very carefully. And I've watched engagement plummet. I have watched... Numbers plummet. I have watched views plummet on uh, posts that I've created. And it's not me that's changed. It's the platform that has changed. And so I can only conclude these are destructive changes. And sure enough, Twitter is a dying platform, at least as far as I can tell it is, unless Elon Musk has some new secret up his sleeve. But generally speaking, he's not, you know, a, a person who makes things better. And he very, very, very much has personality traits uh, similar to L. Ron Hubbard's in many ways. And once that was clear to me, I, I, I got a whole different picture of, of what that guy's up to. But this isn't about him. It's about the platform and uh, the right to be able to say, no, I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to receive your communications. So, um, so this, is, this is why, this is a, a, a not the only reason why. It was already plummeting in popularity and use, but this is just going to be another um, nail in the coffin for, you know, Twitter, that X, uh, which, you know, also makes no bloody sense at all. And uh, yeah, that's my take on it, right? If, if there's some big, huge rejuvenation that happens there on that platform, it won't be because of things like this. Um, you know, they, they're going to, Musk is, Musk seems determined to not learn any of the lessons of social media over the last many decades, last couple decades. So that's my take on that. Um, right, you know, right or wrong, good or bad, that's, that's how I feel about it. So thanks for asking. Yes, I know. I know Love Food Kitchen, and uh, that's why we're working it out again. Okay. Bladen Kutuk asks, uh, who are all the cars going in and out of ASI's parking garage all day? SO members with cars? I go to the gym right next door on Hollywood Boulevard every day and I always see lots of in and out traffic. I, I, I got no idea. <laughs> I got no idea. I, uh, I haven't been to ASI in years. Uh, so, you know, is it SO members with cars? Sure. I mean, it could be. SO members at ASI could have cars. They have to put on a, an appearance that they are regular people with regular kind of jobs there. Um, ASI is, you know, is Author Services, Inc. That's L. Ron Hubbard's literary agent as an organization, and it's manned by Sea Org members, and they interact with the real world all the time. They go to conventions and book fairs and things like that, and their job is to get L. Ron Hubbard's fiction works out there. So they, more than any other Sea Org members, have to look and act like regular people. 
And that might be uh, an answer to the question. I'm not sure, but, um, but that's what I can say. How is a person with aphantasia able to do Dianetics and Scientology when they have less or no mind's eye to remember their past than other people do? Pardon me for a moment while I just look this word up because I am not sure I know what it means. Multisensory. People who experience a lack of mental imagery. Oh, okay. Yeah, they don't have pictures. Got it. Um, Hubbard has remedies for this. He calls these black cases, solid cases, um, black masses impeding a person's ability to turn on Vizio. Uh, are some Dianetics phrases that come to mind here right now. Uh, Hubbard had explanations for this and remedies for it, which involved a lot of, remember, objective processing. I've gone over it here in some detail where you're, the processes are not memory-related. They are physical universe related you're touching things and looking at things and picking things up and talking about the weight and height and color and temperature of it and that kind of thing it's very physical it is a lot of it's it's physical and this this is a kind of auditing that is done in scientology and hubbard says if you don't have mental image pictures it's not that you don't have them or are not creating them it's simply you're not you don't have access to them or you've turned it off and so you need to, you know, kind of turn it back on again. And the way to do that is this objective processing and specific techniques or processes that he developed in order to turn Visio back on. And there are lots of different auditing techniques, lots of them I can think of right now. Um, you could prep check it. You could uh, you could sec check it. You could um objective processes you could do arc straight wire which is a memory technique that is very lightweight very light grade it's, it's mainly involved with recalling pleasant things or instances in your past that are not particularly full of pain and trauma but it's it's kind of a memory tuning procedure um, all of those would be possible remedies for somebody who doesn't have pictures or isn't thinking in pictures now is it going to work Probably not, right? Does, if a person has a real condition or that's just the way their brain operates, that they just don't think that way, then maybe they'll never get pictures or maybe they'll have to start cons- making it up for themselves or maybe they'll have to imagine pictures, right? That might be, in, there's, a, there's a thing called imagination processing. Uh, so, so there's a lot of routes in Scientology to deal with this kind of thing. And believe me, they'll get plenty of money out of you trying to solve this problem that might not even be a problem. But according to the way Hubbard says memory is supposed to work, you're supposed to have mental image pictures, which include all the sense perceptions. Hubbard lists out 72 of them, like, you know, uh, the sense of gravity. Um, the, you know, your weight is a, is a perception that you have. Um, your digestive I think, I think there's one connected with your digestive system. There are perceptions involving um, not just light, but like intensity or something. There's a lot of different perceptions. There's 72 of them, Hubbard lists. And I'm not saying they're all legit. I'm just saying it's interesting that he does that. And he expects every individual, every Thetan, is perceiving the universe through all of these perceptions. And if you cannot then there must be something wrong with your Thetan, and auditing can fix that. So there you go. Good question. Um, No. Okay, Alex C., did you ever hear of Sea Org members managing to play video games while in the Sea Org? What games did they play? What did they play them on? No. I never heard of anybody playing video games in the Sea Org. No. Never. 
now, I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm saying I never heard of it. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that if, and I mean, there's no way you're going to be getting online access to do that unless it might be like on a phone after post or something. I could see some Sea Org member doing that. Like they have a tablet or they have a phone and they get online after hours through the filtered Sea Org ac- internet access. I don't know that they're filtering out Steam or, or gaming, you know. And if somebody, I mean, sure, theoretically, if somebody had a game, had a PC or something in their room, and they were a married couple, I wouldn't, I wouldn't see this in a dorm, uh, because there's like thirty guys in a room, right? I mean, maybe there's five guys in the room, or there's thirty guys. Somebody's going to write your ass up if they find you playing video games. No question about it. You are going to get in trouble, even if it's after hours. Somebody's going to have something to say about it. No question. But if you hid in the bathroom or you did it under your bed or, you know, in the covers or something like that on the phone, I could see Sea Org members doing that. But I, I, you know, unless the Sea Org culture has changed radically in the last 10 years, and I don't think it has, um, video games are not where it's at for Sea Org members. Um, yeah, just don't, just don't ever really see anything like that. But I'd be very interested if I'm wrong about that. If, if somebody's got other stories about that out there, to uh, leave it in the comments section because I want to know. I'm only talking out of my own memory and experience. All right. Good question, though. Um, good. I'm glad you guys are liking the cult news show. Um, I, I intend on really making that into something. I, I know the presentation still is not what I consider up to snuff. But I really, I'm really pouring the coals on those stories, and I hope that they are coming across well. Um, did I ever meet Danny Masterson when I was in Scientology? No, I did not. I, I was never in the same room with Danny Masterson. Um, I was in the room with other celebrities. I talked to other celebrities, John Travolta a couple times, um, Kirstie Alley, I think once, a um, few others. Um, some other celebs, some other some celebs. Um, there was one young woman whose name Lindsay Bartleson, uh, who I was in in communication with for quite a while because I was uh, running the HGC where she was getting auditing at the Advanced Org in Los Angeles. Um, met Leah Remini's. Uh, Leah Remini's. I keep butchering that name. I had it. I lost it, and I'm trying to get it back. Anyway, uh, so Leah Rem- Remini's. <laughs> Ramini's father. God, I'm gonna. I'm horrible at that. I don't know what broke in me that I can't say her last name anymore. Anyway, Leah's father was also getting auditing there, and that's when I met him. Or no, Jennifer Lopez's father. What am I saying? Jennifer Lopez's father, not Leah's father. Jennifer's father uh, was getting auditing there. Anyway, and that's when I met him. Okay. Ugh. Sorry for my brain farts here. Um. Yeah, let's get an ideal studio. Okay, I like that idea. Wow. Maybe I could maybe I should put some things together around that concept. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Um circle back up here. Oh my goodness. Thank you for that incredible super chat, Anne. Wow. That is very, very generous. Thank you very much. Awesome. Now I can get that teleprompter. Good. That's what I'm talking about. Thank you. 
Um, okay, long detailed answers. Good. Okay, I'm glad I'm on the right track here. Yeah, thank you guys on the podcast. Abraham Steff asks, now that people are learning that Charles Manson was so steeped in Scientology teachings, do you think we'll get a documentary on this? I think it would be eye-opening. I would love to see a factual you know, breakdown and takedown on what we talked about in the podcast in documentary form. That would really be awesome because the How to Become a Cult Leader on Netflix um, really kind of ran with the narrative that was presented in this new book. I forgot the guy's name um, who wrote it on Manson and Ed O'Neill, Ed O'Neill's new book on Manson. Um, really, that narrative that he presents about how Manson was mostly using and influenced by the Dale Carnegie How to Win Friends and Influence People book, I just don't buy it. It just doesn't make any sense to me knowing what I know, right, and as we talked about during that show. So I think the Scientology stuff should get more of a spotlight put on it. Not that it's the single source of the problem, but it is absolutely a contributor contributor to Manson and how he controlled people in, in a way that has not been well presented in mainstream reporting yet. So, yeah, that'd be, that'd be awesome to see. I'll tell you one reason why a lot of people won't pursue that, though, is because they're scared to death of Scientology coming after them. And Scientology will come after people if they start saying that Scientology had something to do with Manson and his behavior. They absolutely will. They, will. they will not take that line down. So that is a challenge for any documentarian who wants to put that together. Um, yeah, you know, so I'll do a podcast about it because I don't care. But, you know, there are people out there who, who very much will. Okay, um, good question. Thank you, Angel Hugger. Um, while we're doing plugs today... <laughs> I also do do consultation. And rather than wait till the end of the show, I'll just do it now. I am available for personal consultation, okay? So if you have a situation you want help with or you want to deal with that involves coercive control or recovery from coercive control, whether it was a cult, relationship, something else, you can contact me. Maybe I can help. I am not, and I am not promoting myself as a therapist or counselor. It's not what I'm doing. I'm not going to give you therapy. But I will give you advice. I will give you education. I will give you support. I can help. So you can contact me for that. That is a service I provide. It is not a free service, but it is uh, pretty economical compared to other places you might want to go to that you're going to find are pretty expensive. So just putting it out there for you. All right. Oh, good point, Juliana. Good point. Yes, it is true. YouTube does take a good chunk out of those super chats. So, um, yeah, so maybe we don't have the teleprompter quite yet. But uh, I don't want to discourage super chats, obviously, but it is absolutely true that if you want the majority of your money to get to me, Venmo, PayPal are the best routes to use to do that. Absolutely, totally. And I'm going to also set up... Um, one of those uh, buy me a coffee things too. Uh, so that'll be another way to contribute to what I'm trying to do here. Um, I don't have that set up yet. I just I was just thinking about that in the last couple of days. So that will also come. But thank you, Juliana, for making that point. It's a good one. Um, uh, okay, Sea Org Tech Discussions. Have you ever listened to the whole lecture where Hubbard tells the Zemu story? Yes, I have. That's where I got that it was Zemu, not Zenu, uh, which I wrote about in my book. 
<laughs> in fact, I think I'm the only person to ever bring that up as a point. It really upsets Tony for some reason. I'm not sure why, but um, but it, it it's it's a funny thing because is it Zemu or is it Zenu? Well, it's both at the same time, and I that's a hill I'll die on. I I am absolutely sure that Hubbard's handwriting says what it says, and that's actually in a written thing, not a lecture. Later in a lecture, I think he spells it so as X-E-N-U, if I remember right. I'd have to dig the lecture up again. Um, but he spells it in writing one time as X-E-M-U, and it's undeniably an M, not an N. So it's, um, anyway, yeah, I have listened to it, but it's been many, many years. Uh, so sorry if my memory is failing a little bit on that one. Um, okay. Well, Danny Masterson's family is still, Vernon, you are just the source of endless questions. It is awesome. Uh, Will Danny Masterson's family still donate a lot of money after he goes to jail? Uh, Presumably, yeah. If they're still Scientologists, they will. And that's what being a Scientologist, especially as a celebrity, means is you're donating money. And a lot of it. Okay, this is the first I'm hearing about this, Juliana. This is interesting. Huh. Okay, well, if there is, I'm going to find out about this because this would be brilliant for these shows. So thank you for pointing this out. I will uh, question box. You guys are giving me as many answers this week as I'm giving you. Yeah, <laughs> Revolt in the Stars. That was a fun show. I really enjoyed doing that one. Um, yes, Cece, Reed Slatkin was living in Santa Barbara. I actually went to his house a couple times when I was a Santa Barbara Org staff member. Uh, he lived in Hope Ranch, which is the very rich area of Santa Barbara. It closed. It's an entire community that you not only is gated, it's like you got to drive through a few things to get in there. And um, there was uh, Reed Slatkin lived out there in Hope Ranch, and um, Bob um, Duggan, the Duggans lived out there. And I went to their house once. <laughs> it was amazing. God, they had a nice house. Reed's wasn't too bad either. Yes. Oh, good. Yeah, and thank you for that. And uh, thank you again. I really appreciate it. Oh, that's an interesting question. Joshua Armenta. I don't know the answer to this. I found an old article the other day about John Travolta that he was sad that Anna Nicole Smith did not find Narconon before she died. Was there ever an operation to get Anna Nicole into Scientology? If JT was commenting on it, then there might have been. Or it could have just been one of those off-the-cuff comments about, well, you know, it's really shame that she didn't. I'm not aware of any operation to get her in, but that does not mean there wasn't one. When it comes to celebrities, Scientology, the, 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 the president's office at Celebrity Center, very much engages in campaigns to get new celebrities on board. Um, and like Tom Cruise, I think, was probably the one who got Will Smith in and Jada in. And they went all in for a little while, and then they went all out. So um, I don't know how they run their operations now, but they've always been pretty covert about the whole thing. No, Liz asks here a good question, mentioning where the Santa Barbara Org was located. When I was at the UT Austin for grad school, there was a Scientology Org literally next to the university bookstore. Is this common? It's not common. Uh, And it's not planned for or looked for. It just happens that Austin specifically got a location for their org building years and years and years ago that was right across the street from the University of Texas. And 
Um, that was something Hubbard said that particular organization in Austin needs to capitalize on through offering study tech programs and, and um, study aid programs and, and techniques or practices or auditing for students. Because believe it or not, here's a good excuse to talk more Scientology for a minute. There are two or three actions, actual audited procedures in Scientology that specifically address study and study difficulties. And um, they would offer those as services to those students if they knew how to market to those students, which they've never in all the decades Hubbard said to do this. The, the, the Church of Scientology has never been able to figure out how to do it. Like, ever. It's really funny that they're right across the street from a target public that they absolutely, as a cult, should be going after with full guns. And they just don't know how to do it. Uh, It's been a failure as a strategy since the day Hubbard came up with it. And it's a good strategy, but they just don't know how to do it, like I said. So, um, so no, it's not common, and, uh, and we're thankful that Scientology is really bad at their job when it comes to uh, getting to college students these days. See, back in the 70s, college students were most of who made up Scientology, as far as I can tell. They were really recruiting heavily off the college campuses back in the day. All the cults were. And I think colleges have been proofed up a bit more since then. But you can they have started. Uh, here's how far they've gotten is they have gotten sponsored study programs and groups in the University of Texas at Austin, um, formal approved groups that are Scientology study groups, but they can never get enough people to join them, right? And they can't get people enough interested in them. So that's why they've never really gotten anywhere. Okay, uh, let's see. Yeah, don't forget to hit that like button. Oh, absolutely, Joe. Yes, this is a great question. Um, Apart from those exposed to blue asbestos on the ship, do you think the high levels of stress for Sea Org leads to higher cancer rates longer term? I do. If there is a stress factor in cancer, and I don't know if there is or not, it correlation does not equal causation. I'm not sure. I haven't read studies. But if there is then Scientology would be the top of the list as to reasons why somebody might develop that or uh, acquire that because it is an incredibly stressful environment. And I have seen people in Scientology die of cancer. And I will say that the majority of people I've seen were regs or were somehow on the sales lines, which is interesting. Now, that's just my own personal observation. It is no statistical overview. But it is interesting when I think about that. And some of the most high-stress jobs there are in the Sea Org are the sales guys. No question. So could it be a factor? Do I think it's a factor? Yeah, I do. Uh, I do. So, Oh, did he? Oh, well, that's nice. I hope he mentioned me in a good way. <laughs> No, I, I'm sure that he did. Thank you for, for letting me know that. I, I need. To, I, I wish I had more time to watch some of the other channels more often. I get to them every now and again, but it's but it's hard to do because so much of my time is spent just doing this work. But I, I always appreciate hearing stuff like that. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thanks, Abraham, uh, for that observation about me and John. That's cool. Okay, let's see here. Is... Okay, great. Vernon, is the book Dianetics completely fiction or is there some truths? Nah. 
I'm just going to say straight up, it's fiction. Okay. Um, just forget it. It's, it, there's nothing. It, let me put it this way. Try to get through the first hundred pages without laughing. Just try. Let me know. Let me know how that goes. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Sam Slade. Okay, great question. Given your scholarship, can you give us an opinion of Hugh Urban's work? I very much respect Hugh Urban's work. I've read it. It is good. It is factual. He is um, he's coming at it from a, from a pretty objective place, and he's spotting the abusive nature, and he's seeing the problems. And this is, this is the, exactly the kind of critical thinking we want from academics. We want a lot more Hugh Urbans, a lot more, and a lot fewer Massimo Intervignes. Um, Massimo's like a cult apologist. He's somebody who's pretty much paid by the cults to do what he does. And all he does is, is shill for them all the time. Um, Hugh is somebody who took a good hard look at Scientology and wrote up some hard facts about it in, an acad- in academic papers, and he did a really good job of it. So I, I support his work uh, in that. Yeah, definitely. Okay, let me see. I think that, is there another? Let me just check real fast. Ah, Thank you for that super chat, Robert. Uh, yes, you are very welcome. It's my pleasure. All right, I think we're going to have to... Oh, yeah, we have gone over, so let's go ahead and see. Let me just take a quick look through, see if there's anything else as I just scan through these. Yeah, sorry, I didn't miss that super chat for a little while, guys. Uh Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you want a different color cover on the uh, microphone, Juliana? That's funny. I have a blue one too. Maybe I'll maybe I'll throw my blue one on just for some randomness. All right. Um, oh, spoke of uh, David Miscavige playing games. That's interesting, and of course. You, you guys know, of course, that everything I say doesn't apply to David Miscavige as far as rules go, right? He can do anything he wants. David Miscavige could legit have a full-blown gaming room set up, and nobody would blink twice. Yeah, I know. All right. Uh, all right let's see here. Going down, down the line. Yes, thank you guys. Okay, this is the goal. This is the goal, Debbie. Right there. That's exactly what I want to do. And I am not anywhere near that yet. So, um, yes, that is, that's what I want y'all's help with. And, and really in terms of marketing, okay? So like I said, liking the work, sharing the work. Watching my videos all the way through, you know, engagement time actually matters. How long people view my videos for. And I, you know, I put out content that I intend for people to watch from beginning to end. And it's jam-packed with info. And it's really interesting to me how I will put out a 75-minute conversation about Manson and Scientology or something. And people will watch, on average, 22 minutes of it. And I'm always blown away by that. Because I'm like, what happened during the other 50 minutes? Why were you... 
we weren't that bad. We weren't that boring. There was lots of interesting stuff there too. So I, I haven't cracked that nut yet. And I, and I haven't quite figured that out. I have a pretty good engagement rate uh, and watch time on my channel compared to others, actually, for long-form videos. But still, it boggles me sometimes. It's really interesting. And I, like I said, it's just a nut to crack. I got to figure it out. But that, uh, Debbie, is absolutely the goal, is I want to make this our livelihood. And I think the potential is there. I think the quality of the content is there. I think the help that, give, that I give people is there. So, you know. Uh, okay, I'll do it. Let me get together. Let me figure out what my ideal studio is, and then I'll, I'll put that together. Uh, but this is a great idea, Liz. She says here, you should set up a challenge. If you meet your studio fundraising goal, you will sing Bring It On a cappella live on stream. I don't, know that, I don't know that that's necessarily a reward for you guys, by the way, because if you heard my singing voice, it's not good. Right. She's not a meanie. Remini. Yes. Oh, here's a great question. Okay, yeah, let's go ahead and do this one. Do you think Zero Deep Thinker is Osa? Yes, I do. At this point, I do. Um, I didn't think so at first. I thought it was a clumsy, silly attempt to try to, you know, throw some shade at, at me or Tony and then others. But the way this guy has blown up his channel with, or blown up his channel, he hasn't really blown it up at all. But it's the way he conducts his channel. Let me put it that way. He's systematically targeting and going after now the bigger fish, I guess, as he sees it, um, in the Scientology SPTV world. And that's all this guy does. I haven't even looked at his channel in about two weeks. But it, it's, it's it, 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 let me put it this way. If it's not an OSA op, it looks exactly like an OSA op. So this guy either is working for and is paid by OSA, he wants to be paid by OSA, and he's, and he's somehow uh, auditioning for them, or he's just crazy. I don't know. And I don't think he's just crazy, you know. I, I, I don't. I think he's got some agenda, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And I think, uh, I don't know, you know, he, he gets uh, not a lot of traction with that. You know, it's kind of like at first, it's like, whoa, what's this? What's this incendiary content? Ooh, controversy. What's that? And everybody's eyes go to it. But you quickly, quickly realize this is a person who has pretty much nothing of value to say and is just kind of ranting on in the microphone for hours without saying anything. It's the weirdest thing. I don't understand how anybody can engage with it. It's very bizarre to me. I find it incredibly boring. I'm, I'm lost after five minutes. But, uh, you know, there's people who seem to be into that. I don't, it's weird. All right. Um, and then finally, uh, let's just make sure I didn't miss anything. Nope. Okay, good. All right, guys. Um, so I think we'll go ahead and wrap up. And, oh, yeah, we stand tall. Now, that would be hilarious. That would be hilarious. Yeah, not, not, <laughs> you do not want to hear my singing, guys. I really don't think you want to. Anyway, thank you very much for the super chats, uh, and especially, really, from the heart. Thank you so much. 
And um, I want to encourage, uh, like I said, we'll, let's do this teleprompter as a first thing. I got to upgrade my computer so that I can do the whole Windows 11 thing and get better video graphics going on. And I have some other things. So I'll put some stuff together and uh, maybe throw them out there and figure out how to do this. I'm rolling it as I go, guys. But I really appreciate your help and your support and your viewership and your wonderful comments and feedback. Thank you very much. And with that, I think I've covered everything. So we'll wrap it up for the day. Bye-bye.